Thanksgiving show is upon us. Uh, glad that you're with me in this as we bring to you conversations we've had throughout the year with those we are especially thankful for in our community, from science and education, from those who are in entertainment and music, athletics. It's all here for you, and it's all with our wishes that you and your family are having a wonderful Thanksgiving. Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny, brought to you by Widden Glass, Tallahassee's first name in glass for your home or office, and by Merry Maids. Call Merry Maids. Relax. And it's done. In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Wooden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Wooden Glass today or visit them online at 222 5781 or com. So here we are, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your loved ones as we consider this remarkable American holiday, uh, probably one of the most beloved, well-loved of the American holidays that we celebrate, meaningful to everyone regardless of our age or even circumstances. It's, it's an attitude. Uh, of gratitude, a spirit that uh, really embodies the whole essence of how this country has come through from very beginnings with pilgrims back there at Plymouth Rock and finding opportunity with local natives. And despite the hardships of that first year, they figured out a way to survive and they wouldn't have done it without those uh, natives who came to them in a lot of different ways, uh, principally among uh, those contributions, their ability to harvest, to, to develop crops that would uh, survive and provide food for this fledgling group of pilgrims. Well, it was uh, 1863 then when President Lincoln is faced with a nation that is torn asunder uh, in the midst of this civil war that had already claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. And in that proclamation, he said this, The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the bounties of fruitful fields and healthy skies. And these bounties are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. And so he said, It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole of the American people. So Thanksgiving Day then established the 
fourth Thursday of November annually. And in fact, he did that in the midst of what was uh, a very tenuous uh, and, in fact, a disheartening state of affairs whereby the question of the survival of this nation was at hand. And it was not a, a, a given by any stretch. Now, uh, historians have argued that, uh, you know, the, the northern uh, armies would have rallied, gotten themselves figured out eventually, and but how many more would have been lost, right? We don't know the answer to that, but what we do know is that from that time until our own, we have continued to fight battles of various kinds, domestically and internationally. Uh, we are, in fact, now in, in the midst of conflict, both within our uh, ranks, across various lines, and that being uh, exploited. I mean, it's uh, pretty clear that those who don't want, don't want peace, don't want the arguments settled in a manner that is uh, cooperative for the entirety of the country, or at least in the majority of it, you know, they're, they're pushing on that to, to I think, to further uh, confuse, divide, uh, and discourage. And I think what uh, Thanksgiving means then for me personally is that opportunity to take a little time, take that breath, reflect a bit further on what we can say we have got going in the right direction. What are we thankful for? You know, sometimes I can be thankful for somebody who disagrees with me vehemently on on a given topic um, because I find the challenge of that opposing point of view uh, healthy. Frankly, it, it's a, intellectually it's healthy. And I also think that it's healthy for us to uh, reconsider, you know, to apply critical thinking to the opinions and the beliefs, the attitudes that we, that we hold, right? So why do I believe that? And the, the, the security of that, the, the advantage and the security, the strength of being better uh, aware of my own motivations, I think it makes us more effective. I think I'm able to come to the marketplace of ideas or I come to the community with that stronger resolve to do something well, something good. And so what we've done today, we've pulled together a few conversations from those we are most thankful for, uh, people like Greg Bowinger, who heads up the mag lab over there, uh, Bob Ballard, who is in charge of the Wakulla uh, Environmental Institute there, Sharon Carraway, uh, the head of our local Red Cross chapter. These are people who, in their own way, uh, in these various sectors, have brought to us encouragement and solutions, have challenged us to better understand who we are and what we bring to the world. So we're going to proceed with that, and uh, to do so, I want to take a moment here to remember that um, our dear friend, Scott Pliskin, who appeared on the show many, many times over many years, a local veterinarian who gave his life in the service of the people who would bring to him their pets, and, you know, he never, 
He never met a person or a pet that he didn't love. And uh, all of those who mourned his passing, uh, sadly enough, uh, back uh, earlier in this year, uh, testified to that. Uh, If you were at those services honoring his life, or if you were uh, acquainted with him in some fashion, maybe you were a client, uh, maybe you were a friend, a colleague, there's no question that Scott Pliskin represented the best of what Tallahassee has to offer, in my humble opinion. And I think it can be said for all of these people who were part of this show today, Lonnie Alameda, uh, Sue Semerow, of course, uh, people who provide a strong sense of leadership and, and by example, a level of devotion and enthusiasm in their respective endeavors. How about Tom Flanagan? I mean, Tom is, without inflating this too much, is sizable. I was going to say legendary. that <laughs> He wouldn't appreciate that. But Tom is a guy who has contributed so well to our understanding. More so, I think he's contributed to our comprehension. Uh, that is, the, the taking in of information and not just uh, understanding the other argument, but better comprehending why it's important. And he's been a great uh, friend to this broadcast. He's a friend to so many. And in his role as a journalist, he has uh, continued and is continuing uh, to bring us uh, timely information and an ability to provide perspective, I think, uh, a bit of uh, analysis to keep things in in uh, in line with what matters most right so that's the show for today uh, we'll have doc baker and uh, i already mentioned uh, greg bobinger it's going to be a great lineup and folks uh, i will tell you this too as you go about the rest of this weekend and as we celebrate thanksgiving now going on into the christmas holiday man the blessings continue and with that i want to mention one news item here the celebration of lights music and the arts that's coming up a week from today december 2nd from 3 to 10 p.m it's the 37th annual winter festival this celebration of lights with uh, candy cane lane children's activities they're going to have four entertainment stages and, of course, the customary, uh, uh, highly anticipated lighting ceremony that kicks off at 6 p.m. Saturday night, December 2nd, downtown Tallahassee. Don't want to miss it. If you're a longtime Tallahasseean, you look forward to it. If this is your first time, well, we look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. We're going to take this... Uh, segment of the broadcast today and revisit uh, a conversation I had with Bob Ballard. Now, Bob is the head honcho over there at the Wakulla Marine Institute. This is an extension of uh, Tallahassee Community College. And uh, in his comments with us, we learn a lot about uh, the threat to oysters worldwide, uh, what's being done locally by way of the Wakulla Institute, uh, and in fact, how significant uh, the whole uh, system, ecosystem, relies on the job that oysters do in purifying, uh, filtering 
seawater. So we're going to take this moment and listen to Bob Ballard. He was appointed uh, way back when. He was, what, late, like 20, 25 when this happened? <laughs> Years ago. <laughs> seems that way, doesn't Seems it? like, yeah. Um, and as you may already know, the uh, Wakulla Institute, Environmental Institute, is uh, an extension of Tallahassee Community College, uh, and it continues to move forward. It has, uh, for its many years thus far, uh, accomplished a great deal, both in direct impact environmentally and our understanding, our understanding of what we as individuals have at hand. Uh, with Bob at the helm as the executive director, uh, this is an organization that continues to make inroads. And we're going to talk at length about uh, three of those areas, this business of oyster agriculture, right, Bob? That's correct. And uh, particularly the restoration of oyster beds around the world. Maybe you did not know this. I certainly did not. Uh, that uh, oyster beds have been uh, decimated. Something like what, 90? 95%. Um, worldwide. Worldwide. There are 95% of the oyster beds are gone. Um, mm-hmm. And if we don't do something about it, they're going to get um, go extinct. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. There is a featured a documentary that has been released now, uh, Chucha Barber and her team, uh, entitled Unfiltered. You were a part of helping that come together or participate. I, I was. I was actually surprised to get a phone call on that um, because I thought that that film was going to be dealing with mainly the restoration project in New York. Uh-huh. Um, and I think maybe it was. And then she learned um, how important oysters are down here in Florida, uh, especially uh, Franklin and Wakulla counties. Indeed. And, and so I, I think she saw the uh, merit of focusing down here. And, and um, I've seen the film uh, about a month ago, and yeah. it was wonderful. It is it was very really insightful. And impactful. And in, in it, we've always talked about, at least the, the conversations that I have been part of, more often when it comes to oysters, have to do with the economic impact and how the oystermen and such uh really struggling because of the the uh, decline right and yet here we're talking about something that is extremely um concerning that has a lot to do with the natural environment maybe explain that to us in terms of the role that oysters play i mean they are these mollusks that are basically on cleanup duty all the time well that's right they're a keystone species and they're very important to the environment. Um, they're like beavers are up north, where yeah. beavers create um, this habitat with um, new ponds and whatnot that um, uh, deer and antelope and everything else use to drink from. Um, mm. Fish, um, you know, um, mm. or swim in there. Um, other animals catch the fish that are um, in those ponds and whatnot, and it creates a whole habitat. Well. Oysters do the same thing, mm. and uh, just when they spawn, the um, um, eggs that they release feed about 300 different species of fish, wow. little little uh, tiny creatures, and then those are eaten by bigger creatures, and, and other fish eat those and whatnot, and, and the uh, circle of life continues. So, um, and then that's that doesn't even count the uh, the 
filtration that they do. Each oyster filters mm. out uh, 50 gallons of water a day. So what happens when you have oysters is it cleans the environment, allows um, with clean, clear water, allows the light to get in and seagrasses grow. Without oysters, the water gets too cloudy and full of algae and whatnot, and all of a sudden seagrasses don't grow. Um, and if you have seagrasses, everything loves seagrasses, right? Mm-hmm. So it's with when you lose oysters, you lose essentially you lose the ecosystem. When you lose oysters, all of a sudden things like red tides start to creep in, wow. and we've seen a lot of that lately. Yes, when when only five percent of the oysters in Florida remain, you know, all of a sudden you mm-hmm. don't have that cleaning up of mm-hmm. um, the oysters, you know, the the water that the oysters do. And, you know, all of, a thing, all of a sudden then things like red tides start to creep in. I remember Jack Rudlow talking with us at length years ago then about uh, the horizon catastrophe, mm-hmm. uh, this oil, oil, the oil rig out there and, and how that would have a hundred years worth of impact. Right. Well, but, well so what happened with that? is um, we thought the oil was going to get to Florida. And I was um, Mm. a deputy secretary at DEP when that happened, Mm. when the Deepwater Horizon uh, Horizon spill happened. Right. Um, And, you know, uh, the the, um, wild oyster harvesters were told to harvest everything. Uh. And because they thought that the oil would, you know, kill Mm. the oysters and make them um, no longer viable to eat. well, what happened is that they took the seed source, and so all of a sudden, there were no more um, oysters to reproduce oysters, and <laughs> the whole system collapsed um, through over-harvesting. Uh, it just, the oysters are gone. And so now what happened is that the uh, bay is closed for oyster harvesting, uh, which gave a wonderful opportunity for Wakulla Environmental Institute to start a program for um, farming, oyster farming. Mm. And so now um, Apalachicola used to be the hub for Florida for um, wild oyster harvest. Uh, and now um, they don't have a wild oyster harvest. Mm. Wakulla Environmental Institute trains people um, in Franklin County, but mainly Wakulla County, to grow oysters from from a lab, essentially. And now Wakulla County is the biggest um, county that produces oysters in the state of Florida, which would have been unheard of 10 years ago. Am I right in saying you had developed a, a sort of system in the Gulf waters where oysters are, are growing uh, in a sustained uh, or suspe- uh, suspended sort of state in the water? That, that's right. They're grown in cages. Yeah. And... Um, but this process has been done all over the world. It just had never been done in Florida before. Uh, uh, matter of fact, it wasn't even legal to grow them in F- Florida because uh, the governor and cabinet um, uh, controlled that, and they did not want the water column to be used for anything other than fishing and recreation. And so about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I went to the governor and cabinet and asked permission to use the water column to grow, um, grow oysters, and they thought it was a wonderful idea because they saw that the oyster population was no crashing. Kidding. Yeah, and so they gave us permission, and uh, eleven years later, we're still teaching people how to grow oysters in Oyster Bay, um, 
in Wakulla County. That's remarkable. The the program itself, we mentioned this at the outset here, uh, Wakulla Environmental Institute realizes there's potential in the market for people who know how to do that and then comes back to the drawing board and says, okay, let's create a, a program where we train people. This is exactly what you're des- describing. Exactly. Not just training people, but there is an expectation when you take the class, um, and it's a almost a six-month class, that when you get out, you start your own business, uh-huh. right? Everybody that gets into our classes at WI, and not just with oysters, everything we do, there's an expectation that you start your own business. Uh, and we've started approximately, through this program, approximately 150 businesses in Wakanda wow. County. So there's that entrepreneurial component then. We're going to continue this conversation. I've got Bob Ballard here, uh, the executive director for Wakulla Environmental Institute, Institute, and you're in tune with Tallahassee Talks. Stay with me. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever, but that just didn't work. So I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever? Sharon Carraway heads up the uh, Capital Area Red Cross, has done so for many years. And as we thank the Lord for people who have made a difference in our lives, people who have looked out for us, when we were struggling, not able to look out for ourselves, you can't finish that sentence without thinking of Capital Area Red Cross and this particular person, Sharon Carraway, who in her career has been a, a lifelong uh, stalwart sort of leader uh, among this remarkable organization uh, that we, I often think we just t- sort of take for granted. You know, that, well, of course, Red Cross, they're going to be there. Uh, We do that, I suppose, with organizations that have this ability to perform so well year after year. Sharon Carraway is one of those people. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with her. And decided to move back to Tallahassee and assume the role of executive director for the Capital Area Chapter, the American Red Cross. And so she is to this very day. And on this occasion, a delight to have her as our guest. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me. You look so well. Well, thank you. The last time we saw each other face-to-face, we were both a bit stressed because we were, well, no, I was stressed. You were frantic (laughs) because we were just coming out of the whole Irma uh, mess yeah, there we go. I'm seeing the eyes rolling. Pharma was a mess. There she goes. She's mm-hmm. now brought it all. Back. Yeah, you did. Thanks, Thanks Brian. <laughs> yeah, really appreciate that. And it was on that occasion uh, that we decided uh, we would form 
uh, an effort, an advertising campaign, really, an informative sort of uh, program that we call Tallahassee Prepared. And the uh, inauguration of that annual effort now, uh, how many years ago that's been? Ten, I think, somewhere like that. When well, was Irma? Irma was in 2017. Okay. Well, there you go. Because then Michael's 2018. Right. Yeah, I have, that's how I document my Isn't time. is tragic? It's like, which hurricane <laughs> happened right. what year? I was born <laughs> yeah, right. just after. Um, so we had this live broadcast that originated from the uh, Four Points Hotel in downtown Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. Sharon, you were kind enough then, in spite of being in, uh, uh, man, you were in high gear those days, presenting to us as listeners and as those who were participating in this panel that included our fire chief and um, Leon County Emergency Manager, uh, Mr. Peters, and we had all kinds of folks there that were all in some way or another connected to this business of staying prepared for severe weather. You more often, it seems to me, as an organization, the, the Red Cross is recognized or we perceive you as coming in after the fact, right? You're there to help us when the storm has already done its dirty work. And here comes the Red Cross to say, oh boy, how are we going to fix this? And didn't go about that. But it seems to me, too, you guys are uh, a bit ahead of the storm. You're proactive as well in keeping people thinking about preparedness. Is that fair? It's very fair. That's mm -hmm. part of our mission is to make sure that communities are prepared beforehand so that they're more resilient because the, the disasters are going to happen. Mm. You know, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a tornado, wildfire, earthquake, you name it, yes. it's it's going to happen. And so our, our job is to get people individuals and businesses as prepared as possible that preparedness then has a lot of legs to it because the county's done a good job i think even from that time going forward um in which this annual bucket build campaign. a bucket yeah right it has grown and grown we grown. started way back in the day with right. just a couple of us being partners doing it and it is really it's really grown it's, well, and it's grown outside of our county to other counties the thing that i like about it is that as a as a practice it, you know it's it's if you think about okay what do i put in my bucket um you know bottled water or whatever and different things that go in there the significance, however, is is the representation of this attitude. So it's not just what's in the bucket. It's what the bucket represents in reminding us that, you know, putting smoke alarms in the attic of your house is a good idea. So our current fire chief, who is approaching retirement this month, Jerome Gaines, he said to me that he said complacency is our our biggest it's our enemy. enemy all the time it is it is and so when you when you talk about the bucket and the reminder i think that's that's a great kind of a segue into to getting people to realize that it's not just about what goes in the bucket it's is is my house ready okay. you know are the trees around my house do they need trimming before hurricane season 
And you can't even wait for hurricane season now because look just what happened this last weekend yep. with the tornadoes. I mean, yep. we, have, we have got to be in a steady state of, of preparedness. It's, it's remarkable to me, and this really came about as a result of that panel discussion that we broadcast those many years ago. Because, like everybody, I figured, okay, well, hurricane season, you know, and what are the odds, and it's a roll of the dice, but, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. And Irma said, yeah, let me show you how this works. Mm -hmm. And then comes Michael. And I remember uh, uh, Nancy Dignan saying, yeah, Michael was a tornado that was like 50 miles wide. Mm -hmm. Um, And it came up along the part of the Gulf where there is no shelf. It's just this slope. So all of that water had nothing to stop it from coming inland wiped out pecan trees that were 150 years old kind of stuff i remember meeting this woman who said yeah my family has lived here on this land uh for the last 800 years i said how do you know 800 years he's or did i say 880 years sorry and she said in that in those 80 years uh we've been peach growers and pecan growers she said, pecan trees takes them 25 years mm-hmm. to begin fruiting, and now they're all gone. So when a storm of that magnitude comes along, it, it, it redefines what it means to be prepared for the disastrous. But as you point out, we can have a severe thunderstorm on any given day of the mm-hmm. week, and apparently at any time of the year. Spring is the worst, but you're right, any time of the year. And that means then we have to stay prepared and it's then and our little slogan is it's 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 not a season it's an attitude is that the the hardest part you think for people in the business of keeping us ready is 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 our attention our attention span i mean do you feel like you're making progress with all of us because we're all just sort of stubborn i think i think we have Probably more so since Michael, because Michael was such a a game changer for our area here. But you hit the nail on the head when you said it's complacency. You know, complacency, people will do it later. You know, hurricane season doesn't start till June 1st, although they're saying middle of May now. But even then, you know, we know when our our big storms hit us. You know, Mm. it's usually in August, September, Mm. October. You know, but we can't wait around for that. We've got to be prepared for the wildfires you know, for the tornadoes, for the straight line winds. I mean, part of this last weekend wasn't just tornadic events. It was straight line winds, and those can do as much damage as a tornado. Sustained winds, Mm -hmm. 30, 40 miles an hour. Watch out, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can rip some some shingles off your house or topple a tree. It can definitely do that. I remember there, uh, was this 2015? We had this freakish hailstorm that came through and damaged cars and rooftops. Wow. I had to have the house, the roof on our house repaired, replaced because of hail damage. Who knew? Folks, this is why we have Sharon here because <laughs> this lovely person has decided to commit her life's effort, her work over these many years with our local capital area Red Cross, uh, trying to keep us between the lines. It's a big job. But it is, but we've, we've got an, a great like community. Mom. You're uh-huh. like our mom. 
Yeah, I know you really love that. But in that respect, uh, uh, we're going to get into talking about how you spend your days. Uh, because, uh, you know, if we're, if you're the mom, we're, we're these rebellious teenagers that just don't seem to listen very well. Stay with me, folks. We've got more with Sharon Council Caraway right after this. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios, because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids. Relax and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Dr. Greg Bobinger spoke with us earlier in the year about this remarkable contribution to this community, to this region, and to the world the high magnetic laboratory out there, what we affectionately refer to as the MagLab, both in terms of its uh, scientific contributions, which are astoundingly formidable, uh, its practical applications uh, with uh, the works that are being then engineered based on the research conducted. And that's affected us up and down the line. So when we talked with Dr. Bowinger, we really had an opportunity to not only learn better about the MagLab and its work and all of the people that make that work, but we were able to kind of get inside of his head and say, why is it that you do this? What is it all about for you personally? And so with that, here is Dr. Greg Bowinger. The rest of this I'll get into as we talk with this remarkable individual, Greg Bobinger, who for his time with us here at Florida State University has been serving with uh, Florida State, uh, the National High Magnetic Field Laboratory, which we'll just refer to as the Magnetic Lab or the Mag Lab. Mag Lab, yeah. Those are all good things, Yep. right? We, we love that. Feels so familiar when you say Mag Lab, like it's, it's ours. Contributed sizably, I think, to our community, to the region, certainly mm-hmm. Florida State University, mm-hmm. the local economy, in a lot of ways that um, we probably don't realize. Right. Am I being fair right. there, you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. Our, our core mission is to do basic research and to write professional articles for the specialized literature so that they wouldn't really be accessible yeah, to yeah. members of the general public. But... In the process of doing that, we bring high-paying jobs to Tallahassee. Those folks go out to restaurants, buy groceries. Indeed. Um, and uh, we've also then had some spinoffs, either other centers at FSU or uh, corporations that have spun off. And we attracted Dan Foss Turbocore has said they, they came to Tallahassee because of the Maglin. And they are directly uh, impactful. And didn't you say earlier— 
a number of students uh, have been hired? They hire quite a few uh, College of Engineering uh, students huh. uh, who've graduated from FSU. Um, we've hired a uh, couple of their employees. I think they've hired a couple of ours. Yeah, we're building an ecosystem yes. around high magnetic fields. Yes. And the Office of Economic Vitality actually has a campaign uh, that they call the magnetic capital of the world. Wow. And we're uh, working to attract uh, future businesses. No pun intended. Right, exactly. Yes. And, and uh, companies are getting interested, including Philips, which is one of the uh, country's largest manufacturers of MRI. Wow. machines. So wow. there's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of things bubbling up. It's, a, it's an exciting time. It, it does have that uh, extended, uh, if you want to call it a sort of trickle down of right. effect. And we can think of other institutions in our community. Uh, Florida State Athletics comes to mind, mm -hmm. which in and of itself is that sort of driving that engine right that just keeps pulling people right. in from other parts of the country right whether whether they're residents or they're they're tourists or whatever um and and we in the the city and county who run the office of economic vitality recognize that you know tallahassee is a relatively small city we're not yeah. this the bay area right uh so we're not going to build a silicon valley we're not uh, Highway 128 in Boston, um, with how many dozens of major universities all within 10 miles. Uh, but we have our own uniqueness Yes, we do. Uh, here at, at Tallahassee. And one of the features is not just the world's largest magnet lab for the basic research and the basic understanding at, 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 the, at the most profound levels, but also uh, the world's largest manufacturer of uh, oil-free compressors and the only way you can make a spinning motor or compressor without oil is by levitating huh. that spinning rotor using magnets. And that's why mm. Dan Foss is so interested in the MagLab. Mm. And what a contribution that has made going forward then in the industrial and commercial applications. Yeah. Air conditioners yes. come to mind, right? And Yes. And uh, computer server farms. Wow. So they need air conditioning. And air conditioning is far more efficient if you can change the speed of the rotation as opposed to just doing an on-off thermostat Indeed. like what most of us have at home. Right, right. So, so when oil-free compressors get to be less expensive than the on-off, huh. we'll all be able to save on air conditioning. But it's already starting in a big, big way in the industrial sector uh, where they have profound air conditioning needs, particularly as more and more server farms It's, it's astounding, Greg, when we, when we think about the impact, we'll, we'll say very loosely, scientific investigation yes. has made, uh, certainly in the last 150 years, and it would yes. be fair to say the last 500 years, but let's say modern science in the last couple of centuries, having established some fundamental uh, truisms, some fundamental discoveries. You know, when you and I were little kids, it was it was all about space exploration, right, right, um, and all of the all of the impact that that had for us in real terms. You know, I mean, I grew up drinking Tang. I don't know about you. Yes, but, indeed. <laughs> you know, these are important things. Yeah, and and the basic <laughs> research. For MRIs, for magnetic resonance imaging, 
uh, was done in the 1910s. Wow. And then continued through the 30s, 40s, and 50s. There's a whole string of Nobel Prizes of fundamental research before it was finally all enough knowledge had been gathered that uh, folks could imagine an incredibly creative way to use magnetic fields to get a three-dimensional image inside your body. And what do MRIs image? They image hydrogen. Huh. Well, what? why do you have so much hydrogen in your body? Your body is mostly water, yeah. and that's H2O. <laughs> so every molecule of water is contributing to this magnetic resonance image. Huh. And who would have thought that magnets through MRIs could largely get rid of exploratory surgery. Incredible. You know, I, I, I love to give talks about the impact of the magnet lab and high magnetic field research. And in some ways, the most enjoyable audience are the mid-school and high school students because I get to explain what exploratory surgery is. That's amazing. Because when I'm talking to the National Academy of Science members, as I did a few months ago, yeah. they already know what yeah, that it's is. Like, Come on, Greg. But move if you, on. you know, they used to cut you open and explore. Uh, it sounds positively barbaric. It does, by all means. Uh, when you talk about school aged kids, right? Yes. How, how old were you when your interest in science began to sparkle? So I um, was one of those kids who was book smart. Um, I was not one of those future physicists who would, you know, charge up uh, a, a capacitor and attach it to the doorknob and shock <laughs> mom or dad. I didn't know how to make anything in the real world work. I was all book smart, and I was going in every direction. Huh. So I actually did not decide to go into physics until after my second year as an undergraduate. Interesting. And I was a, an electrical engineering major at the time. And I was discovering that I was more interested in where the equations that we were using came from oh. than in how to use them to make a device that worked, whatever we were designing. I think I noticed that you you have uh, training in philosophy as, as well. As well, yes. So, so that tells me not just how things work, but how did we get to the point where we thought yes. this is how that works. And right? And so... If you're an electrical engineering major and you're realizing that's not clicking, one of the things that you might want to do, which is what I did, is you also then take on philosophy. Ah. And my approach, the courses I selected as an undergrad were largely history of human thought. So huh. you're exactly right. It, it, was, it was how did, does humanity use this brain through mm. the centuries as it becomes more and more sophisticated and, and on you know starting with the early Greeks, and then on through um, the Arabic scholars yes. uh, in the early Middle Ages, and then the Age of Enlightenment, and then modern scientific era. Um, but it, while I was doing all of that, I slowly learned, because as you mentioned, my father was a minister and my mom a uh, school teacher, so they didn't really know where the equations in electrical engineering <laughs> come from. And I eventually learned that they come from physics, and uh, that's when I started physics uh, at the start of my junior year yes. as an undergrad. Folks, we've got Greg Bobinger here. He has graciously agreed to bring us uh, up to date on what's going on over there at the MAG Lab and uh, Florida State University Department of Physics. Professor he is and a good friend of this town. You stay with me. I've got more Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. 
October 3, 1863, our nation is torn in the midst of civil war. Over 100,000 lives have been lost. Faced with the uncertainty of our survival as a nation, President Lincoln affirms his faith in God, issuing a proclamation and officially declaring the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise. This Thanksgiving, join with us in prayer for our great nation. From Witted Glass on South Monroe in Tallahassee, call 222-5781. properly and your physical being is not uh, transmitting important information that has to do with your viability, yeah, you're in trouble. Communication is fundamental to the life of any organism, right? And it is so true with our own communities. Communication, meaning the connection of thought and intention over time in a way that is reflective uh, informative, and pointing us in the direction of growth and achievement, even stability. And so it is that we have Tom Flanagan, who for his part in that whole process of communicating well has done so remarkably over many, many years over there at WFSU Public Information Broadcasting and all of the good things that those folks do. So we're going to take this moment to hear Tom Flanagan talk about his own very beloved Tallahassee. How are you, sir? Good to see you, Brother Brian. How are you? I am so delighted that we have these gatherings, you and I, uh, uh, among the faithful, uh, to get caught up with you and get a little perspective as we go forward here in 23. Uh, legislative session not far which the when does that start that starts the first week in March because this is not an election year and if you recall Brian it used to be March and April Mm -hmm. every year Mm -hmm. and it was only within the past I'm trying to think 13 years I think the legislature Mm -hmm. decided in its infinite wisdom that (laughs) they may require some additional time to prepare for upcoming elections because the issues had become so complex and the power players needed more time to to compromise to work out possible points of agreement in these things. Actually, they needed two more months to raise money. So they, they moved in election year cycles. I wonder why your cycles. tongue was stuck over there in your cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but they moved uh, on the uh, even years, which mm-hmm. are election years, to a January-February scenario gotcha. for, for legislature. Gotcha. So for us, that means that traffic will still be fairly manageable through the month of February. Um, if you were to say, uh, and I'm asking you to say, those issues that are on the forefront for this year's uh, legislative session, what would those be? You've got most of the majors, I think, Brian, already teed up. Most recently, we heard uh, earlier this week um, the leadership of the House come out in full agreement with uh, a so-called constitutional or, as some people would call it, permitless carry uh, bill Mm. for firearm possession in the state of Florida, which would uh, obviate the need to go to the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services and get a concealed carry permit. It Mm. just, you you have a gun, you can carry it with you. Ah. So that's been done. Going back to our early days in Tallahassee where gunfights in the 
streets were very common, I suppose. Uh, yes, if you, if you talk to someone named <laughs> Beth Civita, who gives these wonderful tours of the downtown in her little golf carts, uh, she can show you exactly where either the sword duels or the pistol fights were in downtown Tallahassee back in the day. It certainly made for a lot of great entertainment in the days before the internet yeah. and binge watching and of Netflix. Track. They so. had a horse track too, didn't they, in the center of town? You sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had that. Um, okay, so we're talking about uh, concealed weapons what's what's next on that list right now concealed books in schools many of them are concealed because of uh, a fear that uh, certain titles certain subject matters may run afoul of uh, florida law which would preclude such things as um crt um Critical race theory. Uh Exactly, which is uh, the last I checked only taught over at the FSU Law School to graduate level students. But um, the governor and the House and Senate leadership believe has infiltrated into the public school system. And so uh, that is something that can't be talked about also anything that would have to do with uh, with sexuality, not just uh, mm. kindergarten through third grade, which was the initial iteration of that in the last legislative session, but possibly extending now into middle school. Mm. Um, needless to say, the public school mechanism is kind of uh, thrown askance by all of this, mm-hmm. and the proposed as well as the existing legislation is not super specific so no one Mm -hmm. wants to run afoul of what it may or may not say so the safest course of action seems to be let's just you know push this aside and we're not even going to talk about it yeah okay so we got guns we have courses and books then what and then look for something else to be teed up um That is insurance. We all need insurance. We had a special session, as you will recall, Mm -hmm. uh, late last year on homeowners insurance in the wake of things like Hurricane Ian, which totally threw the industry, which was already hurting in Florida. For an even bigger loop, you have additional carriers that are bailing. And after a number of years of shrinkage, Citizens' property insurance, the state-run insurer of last resort, is once again getting customers hand over fist uh, up to now what I think the last was 1.6 million policyholders under citizens. So that's going in a direction other than what the legislature would like. But you got auto insurance, and we always come up on, let's just do away with no fault. Mm-hmm. Well, every time there's a fender bender in public's parking lot, do you really want to go to trial on this? Yeah. I don't know. That has yet to be worked out. And something else that is rearing its head um, is something called pharmacy benefit managers. Governor DeSantis has put those organizations, which act as a middleman, kind of between your drugstore of choice and your insurance company and to make sure that your claim gets paid mm. has put that into his crosshairs and would like to rein them in mm. uh, by enacting additional regulation. Needless to say, 
the industry and many large pharmacies, which also own some of these pharmacy benefit mm-hmm. management companies, are not too delighted with this mm-hmm. development. So mm-hmm. that any, you know, it doesn't bother anyone unless, of course, you go to the drugstore with a prescription and you have insurance. Otherwise, no one cares. Yeah. In fact, that's all? I mean, there's nothing else? That's that's enough to get them started. We'll see what else comes, because always it is full of surprises, I was Brian. going to say, and that all has to work its way through in how many weeks? Let's see. You have 60 March, days of April. session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But during the first usually three, four weeks, traditionally, yeah. It's kind of, hey, what did you do since we were here last? Oh, my gosh, you're yeah. looking. Have you lost weight? You're working out. <laughs> and suddenly they realize, well, it's not. Cocktail parties. Yeah, yeah, it's not just the things we elucidated, Brian. Yeah. They have to pass a state budget. Yeah. This year they don't have quite as much money as they did last year because a lot of that federal money yes. that came out of the COVID program, remember, Paycheck Protection Plan, yep. PPP, yep. all that stuff, they're not going to have all that this year. Uh, and how much will it cost to take over Disney? I mean, that 25,000 acres, that's a big chunk of ground down there in <laughs> Central Florida. So I'm sure there'll be wow. some money attached to that too. Wow. Okay, so if you were to say to any of those folks, and you probably have, who uh, found themselves at the closing of the election back in November, who happen to be Democrats, right? They're probably scratching their heads too as to what happened and what do we go do now? What, what, how do we go forward at this juncture? So we're going to talk a little bit about that as we return from a quick break here. Folks, we're listening to Tom Flanagan. Uh, there's too many nice things to say about him, so I won't repeat myself, uh, even though I'd love to do it. Uh, and Tom, I have to tell you, uh, for a lot of us who uh, fancy ourselves able to sit on this side of the microphone, uh, you have been that person that we often go-to for uh, marks. We look at whether or not it was worthy based on what we see you doing or hear you doing. And so I think you've been a a contributor in a lot of ways. And among those of us who uh, purport to be professionals in this business, we have a lot to be thankful for. Folks, we're going to take this moment and we'll be back right after this. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Mary Maids right here at our studios because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Mary Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Mary Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids, relax, and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Well, of course, it's difficult to talk about Tallahassee without considering the role of collegiate athletics. Um, we aren't anything other than a state capital, 
um, and happen to be halfway between Jacksonville and Pensacola. Uh, it is this other uh, contribution to the world that historically is represented in Florida A&M, Tallahassee Community College, and of course Florida State University. And those athletic programs that bring us out there on this world stage, and among them, uh, FSU softball and the remarkable coach that all of her players and and uh, fellow staff members refer to as Coacha Lonnie Alameda have made it a practice to uh, pardon pardon the use of the word practice. You'll watch Lonnie's eyes; she kind of winces when you say practice, because <laughs> you've just come back from uh, the beach, which itself sounds so lovely. Mm-hmm. But you guys take which would what otherwise be a really lovely beach trip yeah. and turn it into the sand pits of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. Thank Lonnie. you, thank you for glad having to have me. you here. Always yes. good to be here. Yes, I get so <laughs> caught up in the fact that you and I get to. I mean, it's just that we get to talk here and have yeah. fun and talk about cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Having awesome. nothing to do with softball, of course. Yeah, We're sports, just coffee, life. Yeah. yeah, life. Yeah. There are other things. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to say, with all of that went through your mind following the final uh, play, the final mm-hmm. game with Oklahoma last season. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you prepare yourself? How do you prepare your players, your staff, um, in advance of that? Because mm-hmm. on one end, of course, one side of that is, hey, we can win this thing. Mm-hmm. We we can take this all the way. Yeah. Then then there's that sort of, but just in case. Yeah. Do you do you go through that with with mm-hmm. players? Yeah, what does that yeah. sound like? Um. So. I think uh, every season is its own story uh, and every player has a contributing factor to the season itself. And so when you get done with the season, you've got to step away from it a little bit to let it filter in because you can have an emotional response to it at the time. And usually, I mean, if you're the number two team in the country, the emotional response is like outstanding. Like, you know, you you got tears because, you know, a lot of the players didn't achieve what they wanted to but when you step back and you're like, you're the number two team in the country, you just played for national championship. That's pretty incredible, you know? Yes. So that's the emotional side there. And then, you know, you go through the summer and we always jump out right away to recruiting. And so when you get out to recruiting, your fellow colleagues start to give you perspective from what they saw. And then you start to hear what, um, you know, esteemed coaches see on TV in your program. And then you're like, oh, wow, because you're in it but you're seeing what people see and then you start to hear, you know, you get to talk to your players and debrief it. So to me, it's a good like two month debrief. And then you come back in uh, end of August and you're like, all right, now we're refreshed. I got a good perspective. This is our new family right now, our new family slash team that we have to figure out how to get to Mm -hmm. the end goal, you know? So I used the phrase the telescope a little earlier, and that's kind of what it is, right? Like, I have this huge telescope, and I know what the end goal looks like, but I got to work back to that right now. Mm-hmm. So, for us in um, hmm. 2022, um, losing to um, Mississippi State, when we came back, we had a lot of returners, and we watched that game. That was our very first practice, was watching that game and really talking about the emotions of it. 
and um, we had a lot of experienced returners with a lot of pitching in the circle experiencing what can we do better now today mm. so we can mm. be where we mm. want to go and the lessons we learned so I think the same thing this year we did the same thing we were in the championship game but we've graduated a lot of innings in the circle we've graduated a lot of first base action we graduated a lot of shortstop so the reality is right now we need to build up our freshmen and build up experience before we could really project because they have no idea what they're getting into, you know? <laughs> so before we can project what the season is, like this is how we do things now. Mm-hmm. So I think we're a little uh, seek discovery, learn mode right now. Who are mm. we? How do we handle each other? How do yeah. you play softball? Yeah. To then come back in January and be like, all right, we're getting ready to go on this little marathon. Right. Right. There's no sprints anymore. Right. We are marathoning for two and a half months. <laughs> So let's get you through what I know you're capable of because I just spent two months with you here in the fall. Mm. So Mm. I think every season is a different story. And Mm. as a coaching staff, if you can listen to the story of it Mm -hmm. and then figure out what the next chapter is going to be, you know. So, yeah. So I I think we do a pretty good job of that. Um, We're in it. So when you say we most people, when you say the word beach, go to like my ties and pina coladas and sunshine and sunsets and you know and our kids went to some military boot camp training we still saw the moon rise the sunset and the sunrise um just in a little different effect but um digging 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 foxholes and then filling them up again (laughs) yeah like coach what are we doing here well all the returners know they know it's coming yes and they know that it gives you the foundation of um consistent communication and clarity yeah, on our yeah, communication yeah. so um it's never a oh man i mean is it tough yeah you know yeah. it could be a little bit of a challenge but now we're raising the team to a standard so now they're a freshman right now is coming in now after we did this like oh i get it like oh. i have a voice it is important for me to speak i do need to follow directions details matter you know mm-hmm. so it gives mm-hmm. us a common language mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the people doing this training themselves yeah are military grade yeah. uh, folks that I yeah. mean this would rival somewhere around uh, SEAL team kind of stuff. Yeah, Navy right? SEALs, Marines. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so sergeants, it's the real deal. They've been in war. Yeah. Um, just to sit around the room and talk about these things they experience. You know, I mean, mm. we're talking about softball at a high level. They're talking about life or death. So, like, mm. Mm. when we talk about you want to trust your left and right for a double play. Versus trust your left and right for me not to get killed. Like, mm. completely different perspective. It does tend to redefine but that. still really, yeah. really cool to be around someone that can share what true trust looks like. What and, it looks you like. You know, so, yeah. yeah so. And personalities with, with yeah. players that, and again, you've said this, you've got a mix of old yeah. and new. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be that period of time when these players are getting to know and then trust one another Mm -hmm. personalities get in the way of that yeah i think um human nature probably here in this office too right like we all all love each other (laughs) all right we never argue about anything carl Carl, yeah carl just fell out of his chair i'm sorry uh i think we really dive deep into you know the disc assessment stuff you know And, and i think um when you look at it i've grown over time i'm an i'm an i like i i'm a very um, natural style, pretty influencer. Mm-hmm. I, I like to, you know, be Miss Sunshine when I can. I like to do those things. Um, I turn into a little bit more of a direct person in my role. And I know that over time I've grown. Mm. Our freshmen will grow sophomore, junior, senior year. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of those kids that re- that graduated last year 
you got new kids coming into roles of leadership, they're going to do a little personality yeah. shift when they get in the field because yeah. they know the responsibilities. So they got to understand that growth and how important your relationship to people are. So if you got someone that's um, in that S role, that really steady, that really kind of just go with the flow, but I need them to be on point right now. How do I connect with that person mm. to realize that, man, I need mm. your eye contact with me right now. We need to get after it. And so I think when you talk about human nature and, and handling a problem and problem solving, you've got to know your people yes. and you've got to connect with your people. Because uh, if I just come off my way and expect you to be my way and you're not, we're going to have a little bit of uncohesion on mm, the field. I remember Kat talking about that. She said, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm i a starting pitcher. I should be in this position. And you're like, yes, you are. Yeah. And now you're going to learn some new skills. Yeah. And yeah. to be able to move somebody who by nature right yeah. and her training is this high performance i mean it's like yeah. a thoroughbred racehorse yeah. here but you have to help that person find another gear i guess yeah. or another way of approaching it is that how it, is yeah that fair yeah i think um if you um were to hang out with cat she likes to go to coffee shops. She loves to read books. She could read a book for two days straight. Like she doesn't need to see people. Yeah. When she's on the softball field, she is commanding people. Yeah. So she's able to understand like, man, when I'm off the field, I can do what I do. When I'm on the field, this is what I need to do. And then to to continue to remind her of that when we're on the field, so that becomes a natural style on the field, now can let her play a pretty high level of softball. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, and she certainly did. So, yeah. Didn't yeah. they just uh, retire her, her jersey? She's For like the Little it. League World Series. Yeah. yeah. What a cool <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. She's, like the she's playing in Japan. Hall she's in Chile fame. right now playing for Team USA. Like, oh. um, you know, the... When she came in as a freshman and she wrote down all these things that she wanted to do and, and we started, you know, ticking the box at pulling it back and, you know, how do we get there mm. and how do we do it? You know, of course, as a coach, you know, I go to mom mode sometimes too. And, you know, you're crying sure, sure. like a baby at the end of her career because sure, you're sure. like, how cool is that? Because now you're let, going to Japan, yeah, you know? Man, so, I got to yeah. let her go on. Yeah, super cool. So, well, we're going to yeah. keep going on this conversation, folks. Yeah. <laughs> we're in tune here with Tallahassee Talks and you're listening to Lonnie Alameda, who we love. Yeah. We'll be right back. October 3rd, 1863, our nation is torn in the midst of civil war. Over 100,000 lives have been lost. Faced with the uncertainty of our survival as a nation, President Lincoln affirms his faith in God, issuing a proclamation and officially declaring the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise. This Thanksgiving, join with us in prayer for our great nation. From Witted Glass on South Monroe in Tallahassee, call 222-5781. If you're a listener to Tallahassee Talks, if you've been a listener for some time, you know that we have a heart for local music musicians. That's why Moose Magnificat Radio was created. So it is with Doc Baker, who joined us earlier in the year to talk about this uh, amazing uh, group of talented musicians, uh, Tallahassee Nights Live. They are uh, formidable in their own way, but it's happened because you have at the helm, a guy like Doc Baker. If you have been a listener of Moose Magnificat Radio for any length of time, you know that uh, that little radio station streaming its heart out to the world is all about Tallahassee. It's all about the sound of Tallahassee. And it, in fact, uh, 
seeks to lift us up all uh, to a realization that we're a whole lot more than we give ourselves credit for in most cases. And certainly when it comes to the music that is Tallahassee's sound, you cannot have that conversation without talking about Tallahassee Nights Live. You will hear TNL's music all over Moose. And the man who had this brainchild 15 years ago, 15 plus, back in 07, they did their first show at the Leon County Civic Center then. Darius Doc Baker, talented, determined, uh, good-hearted, looking more to help other artists, musicians, performers, dancers do their thing. And my goodness, have they done their thing. Once again, here in 2023, take a look at their website, TallahasseeNightsLive.com. Look at the upcoming concert schedule. And they're just getting started. Well, here's the good news, friend. We have the opportunity to see these fine folks in performance at the moon Sunday night for a very special show that they've entitled the Wakanda Edition. Mm-mm-mm. I'm not going to even try to steal their thunder. I want you to go look at Tallahassee Nights Live website and figure out what this whole thing is all about and be sure to go and get your tickets. They're still available online even as we speak Um, or just show up at the door, man. I'm sure that you can get tickets if they're not sold out. So, I mean, you know, be careful now. Well, we're fortunate that we have one of the stars in that TNL galaxy. She is here as our guest today. So let's Welcome, Cammie Hayes. How are you, Cammie? I am great. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Wow. Folks, I have such a horrible job here that I have to, you know, just somehow struggle through talking with wonderful people like this woman. Goodness. (laughs) Uh, Cammie, you just make it too easy. Oh, my goodness. What a special person you are. Thank you. uh, So we're going to dig in a little bit here. We've got some music from cammy so i mean just so you know i'm not lying to you in fact we're going to play a, a full six minutes of a performance that she did live not long ago so i'm telling you if you this is your opportunity to go do something else if you if you're looking to have a bad day you're in the wrong place if you want to have a great day, you stay right where you are because we're, Cammie and me, we're going to make it work, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We? Oh, yeah. We're doing this, girl. For sure. Yes, well, we are. Let's, let, let me jump into some of the, the particulars with you um, because, you know, you're a person who, I mean, for my humble estimation, you can go anywhere you want with the kind of <laughs> talent that you bring. Um, but you're here. I'm here. How long have you been part of TNL? I have been part of TNL. TNL has been in existence for over 15 years. Right. And I have been um, along the ride for about 12 of those 15 years. So pretty much we'll say from the early beginnings. From the beginning. Of this organization. Yes. So you've you've been performing in, in the group all that time. And in that capacity, you've seen... The high points, the low points, sure. like any organization. Absolutely. 
and yet you guys are just killing it you're you're doing all this music let's talk about where you got started musically were you a performing person when you were like as a kid <laughs> were you doing music or were you one of those that everyone went ah <gasps> you know that's really really uh kind of interesting hmm. because i wasn't hmm. i wasn't and um I just grew up in an environment, a very musical environment. You know, I was always in uh, church choirs, of course. Mm. And um, I did a couple things at school. But I didn't really know that there was something different about me because I was around so many singers. (laughs) So at church, you know, everybody could sing. It was was a given. I didn't really realize that there was anything unusual or special, you know, uh, until I probably got into high school. And then that's when I started noticing people noticing me. Isn't that and something? I always loved to sing. Always loved to sing. But I just didn't realize until then that, oh, this may be something I, I need to pay attention to. <laughs> so. so we so we had to pluck you out of your yeah, comfy, cushy little world. <laughs> right. And you ended up among us publicans and sinners <laughs> where we could go, oh, whoa. And you're like, what? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's you summed it up. That's pretty much how I was like, what? <laughs> I thought everybody saying i just you know well good news and bad news a lot a lot of people think they can sing (laughs) and then then you show up and they're like okay that job over there at sears is looking real good about now it's like my friend gary anton you know he was a guitarist in his early days and he was on the show not long ago, and I said, so you still play guitar? He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> he said, once I got involved with Bradfordville Blues Club, I decided, oh, who am I kidding? Heavy hitters over there. Kind of. And so you're one of those heavy hitters that I think uh, brings us, um, a, I guess, a level of appreciation for, among other things, uh, the appreciation for for the kind of talent that really is um, descriptive at the same time that it is informative. You know, it tells us this is how this is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the world had name whomever mm-hmm. in 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 the world of music over the last I don't know sixty, seventy, eighty years. Um, I mean, everybody from Elvis to Luciano. You're a person who, it seems to me, comes in and begins to define the category more clearly. Um, In short terms, that's referred to as iconic. Wow. And so when you have that iconic sound, now I've listened to a lot of your performances, so I don't say this lightly, but I I want to say, yeah, folks, you you, you just really have to taste the good wine here and when you do you're gonna go okay i'm putting away that bottle of ripple because he ain't getting it for me so so as a kid you were singing a lot and then came high school and you joined up with tallahassee nights live you said uh, let's say t- around 2010 11 right. 12 somewhere in there around there were you on stage immediately? Was it that kind of thing? You just walked in and everybody just dropped the mic and said, let her go? Or um, how did I that work? I knew Doc yeah. before he um, 
And the funny thing is he doesn't even remember. But I remember meeting him because he was an up-and-coming producer and I was an up-and-coming artist. Ah. And so our paths crossed. And, you know, my manager, air quotes, right? Yeah. Um, I was in a group at the time and he was looking for producers for songs for us. Neat. And that's how I I ran into Doc and met him. So we kind of knew of each other. Ah. But um, eventually... I heard about Tallahassee Nights Live. It wasn't called that at the time, uh, but I heard about it, and um, I wanted to do it. I had reached a point in my life where I wanted to perform, mm-hmm. and so because of our history and us kind of having met before, um, I didn't have to go through an audition process per se. Mm. However, <laughs> however, it was kind of a tried by the fire type situation because I was just thrown out there, mm. but. It was a good, it was a good, you know, you have to throw the baby bird out of the nest. And <laughs> you started flapping your wings, girl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and we are the beneficiaries of that. So, my friends, uh, we've got Cammie Hayes with us. She is one of those principals that you just have to pay, spend the time listening to at length. We're going to do that when we come back from this quick break. You're in tune with Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. October 3rd, 1863, our nation is torn in the midst of civil war. Over 100,000 lives have been lost. Faced with the uncertainty of our survival as a nation, President Lincoln affirms his faith in God, issuing a proclamation and officially declaring the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise. This Thanksgiving, join with us in prayer for our great nation. From Witted Glass on South Monroe in Tallahassee, call 222-5781. We have done our best to bring to you in today's broadcast a reflection, our reflection on those people in our community who have contributed so well to so many. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list. We've left a lot of people off that list that uh, certainly could be recognized and deserve to be recognized. But we wanted to give you a chance to hear from a lot of the different folks that we get to talk to throughout the year and have now for 12 years we've been on the air. Uh, It seemed fitting to us then to finish today's broadcast with this conversation from uh, a few months ago with legendary basketball coach Sue Semerau talking about her role now uh, looking for that next mountain to climb and what she can bring to that conversation as each of us consider how much more we can do with who we are. The good news is that you're back with us. Uh, You've been traveling about the world, I suppose, certainly around the country, keeping up with family and friends and stuff. So what you been doing? Not the world yet. I haven't really ventured. staying continental. uh, Yeah, I'm staying continental. Um, Hmm. But it's like you said, just having the opportunity uh, to be able to go and see people in their element that I haven't been able to yeah, see in their element. Yeah. And it, it, it occurs to me, and you've said this, that when you were active as head coach of Florida State Seminoles women's basketball, yay, champions, they are, uh, I don't know, if, can we say they're champions? They're sure, champions. In somebody's course. mind, they're, champ- they're champions in my mind. Uh, certainly star athletes, all of them, highly accomplished. Many have gone on to play pro, um, not the least of which, uh, or not not for the least 
reason that you were uh, coaching them along the way because it speaks to this business of you investing in people hmm. which which translates into this world that you you were in and and, and it, it was it was an opportunity but it was also would it be fair to say a kind of confinement mm-hmm. because that enterprise is so demanding you don't really get to take off anytime you want yeah is that I, fair? I, yeah yeah and I think about all the opportunities that I had to see different parts of the world to meet people I never would have met but at the same time it's an inhuman <laughs> uh, job it really is it's it's you just go yeah. from one thing to the next to the next to the next, yeah. which creates a lot of opportunities, but also leaves a lot of void. I mean, it, it, in, in some respects, it, we'll call it a corporate environment mm-hmm. in in the in the small C status. I mean, in other words, you find yourselves as coaches, staff members, team members, you're all on this same ship going together. And wherever that ship is going, you're all going. It's not your choice to be able to, well, it makes you could jump off, <laughs> but that's not going to help. Right. And so you have to just kind of move. But now, now you find yourself liberated, we'll say, from that. And, and, and if somebody in Kansas sends you a text and say, hey, can you be here tomorrow? You're already on the plane. You're gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so that's got to feel pretty cool. It really does. You know, it's much more. You talk about being on a ship, and it's much more like being on a sailboat. You know, ah. just, you can, you just the wind comes this way and the wind ah. goes that way, ah. and uh, it's it's really nice for uh, have that opportunity after pouring into uh, a schedule for so many years and. Um, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the people of Tallahassee. Um, I'm grateful that they now embrace me as just a part of the community. And and I'm grateful for Florida State and the, the time that they allowed me to serve as their head coach. Well, it happens, too, that with that personal devotion comes achievement. And, you know, the last time we talked, you were, I guess you were uh, referring to this book that you had written, or have read that uh, has to do with climbing the next mountain and such. So yep, how's the, the mountain? Second mountain by David Brooks. Yeah. yeah. How's yeah. that going? Are, are well, you the, in I think, pursuit? Well, yeah. The interesting thing is, uh, you know, and he shared uh, a lot of times in order to get to that second mountain, you got to go down and you got to go uh, into some type of valley. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a really deep valley by any stretch. But um, you can't climb again, generally, unless you go to the other side of the mountain, or you're climbing the same mountain. Yeah. So it, that that little... And that's a process right that's there. That's a huge process. And I've run into so many people that have said, wait, you really do enjoy? You really don't think you're going to coach again? And I'm just like, no, I really do enjoy it. And it took a time to get the rhythm straight. Yeah. I ran into a, a very uh, well-renowned house builder here in town. Everybody mm. seeks him out. And, and I saw him and he said, I'm turning 72 and I don't know how I could retire. I I can't I can't figure that out. And I said, that's why uh, you do it when you're young. Interesting. So yeah. I, I talked to John Worley uh, about three or four weeks ago. Mm. Same story. Mm. Home builder 
now looking at, and and he's been prolific, having the same issues. Yeah, and he's wanting to, he's wanting to tell his story mm. in some fashion. He wants to be able to leave some kind of testimony. Is that part of what you're experiencing? That somehow, you don't want to just leave all that behind. You want to be able to try to share your story with people, or I, no? I really want to keep walking a new story yeah I I don't looking back looking forward yeah and I do think that that always will stay with me Mm -hmm. I think uh, what I've realized is that my gifts are transferable and so Mm -hmm. I can use them in a different way yeah and and it's nice to know that and it's nice to be able to to try that and have a a new challenge and a new experience Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time while that new experience comes or experiences come, you find yourself well-connected with so many people that are very much a part of your life. So it's not as though you have to jettison all of that. So this, this um, we'll call it a, a reorientation, a kind of descent mm. into this level playing field. Uh, so maybe the valley is is one way of thinking of it, but seems to me it's more of just kind of um, finding kind of a level ground. Yeah, it's, and it's, I think your world gets a little bit smaller, which is a nice thing because you can pay more attention to to a smaller faction of things mm-hmm. and of people and situations and put more time into it. So I think it, mm-hmm. it really becomes quality rather than quantity. I think of the people that, including your mother particularly, mm. especially, uh, where um, in the challenges that she has faced in the last several years uh, health-wise, you were, you were clear about that. You said, guys, I'm, I got to be gone for a while. Yeah. And that, that was at the point at which you were really at, at a sort of peak. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't like okay, I'm done with this. Right. But you you made that decision. That was that had to be pretty tough, I guess, in some respects. It was your mom, so no. Right. But. I mean, it's it was easy, but it was it was an easy choice, uh-huh. but it was a tough time. And uh-huh. uh, but I do think that it was, I think, it was a clear signal to me mm. that that this part of my. Uh, my life was coming to an end. You know, the mm. the fast paced, twenty four seven, always available, uh, always wanting to achieve more and to do more mm. and to and to accomplish more for the university, for the community, for these young women. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it today. I was telling you just how mm. sometimes I I still find myself over scheduling and mm. I. I didn't like that I felt like I had to send a text message while I was walking to my car or, you know, something like that. And, and it, I, it reminds me, I'm really fortunate now to be able to be doing what I'm doing. So there you have it, my friend, our annual Thanksgiving broadcast. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving weekend with you, God bless you and your family, all of your loved ones, and uh, look forward to having you with us again next Saturday. We are the production of Spatterwork Media and Entertainment coming to you from the studios of Moose Magnificat here in Tallahassee. Carl Cerny is our executive producer. I will be looking for you again next week. So come on, Tallahassee.
Come talk to me. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So... I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, YourSuperSigns.com. How's that for clever?